everybody knows this, but the beach, it's a way better place than the street because there's so much more room, you know? Yeah, so much more room. When you start, it's way better to run than it is to walk, obviously. You know, like, you don't want to be doing that. You might have to try it a couple times, but you'll get it with some skill. Just take some time. Um, it's a little hard. Honestly, it's not hard to learn, but you'll get it with some practice. Um, even little kids can have a lot of fun. You know what I'm saying? Like, kids can have a lot of fun. Um, you might think you got to watch out for the birds, but, like, uh, really, the birds are not going to be a problem. Uh, they don't. It's fine. It's fine. And if nothing like snags up, it's going to be a really peaceful event. Like it's going to be like great. You're going to so relax. It's, everything's going to be great. But if you don't tie it right, it's going to just you'll be. It's done. It's over. Your your fun is. It's all done. Yeah, you get it. You know. <laughs> Everyone understand? Uh, raise your hand if you understand. Lie liars. You're all liars. Uh, liars belong. It's fine though. Wait, did you know? Good job. Good job, dude. So, honestly, uh, it was confusing, right? Is anyone, everyone confused? Uh, I was confused also. Probably the most, uh, the weirdest way to start speaking to somebody. But, um, yeah, honestly, turn to your neighbor and say, that was complete nonsense, because it was. Ooh, also get ready, because I've been listening to Stephen Furtick a lot, so you'll be talking to your neighbor a lot. So get ready. <laughs> but that will make sense if you know the context of what I just was speaking with. A lot of times things don't make sense to us because we don't know, or we don't have the context, we don't have the situation, we don't know the setting of which things are being seen, which things are being said. So like, let me let me help you out. Let me help help you out. So if you knew beforehand that I was a man in a kite store trying to explain to somebody how and where to fly a kite. All of those sentences would have made a little bit more sense to you, right? Like, not 100% more sense, but a little bit more sense, right? Like, the beach, it's a way better place because there's more room, right? Because you need room for a kite. Honestly, you don't have to worry about birds because birds leave kites alone. Like, all those sentences make sense when you have the context behind them. Um, so, yeah, everything makes more sense when you have context. I don't know about you, but oftentimes just as confused as you guys were about what I just said, I feel that same way sometimes when I'm reading my Bible. I get done with a verse or two, and I'm like, ah, that is nonsense. Like, what was even happening? And then I, like, read the message, and I'm like, okay, a little less nonsensical, but still no idea what's going on there. Um, but, like, just how those things made more sense when we put them into context, the Bible makes so much more sense when we put it into context. So that's kind of what we're going to be doing tonight. Um, this week, we're continuing our series called Sunday School Uncensored. Uh, in this series, we're taking a look at some of the stories that we all grew up hearing. So, you know, like, just all of them. You know what I'm talking about. Moses, part in the Red Sea. Last week, what did we talk about last week? Anybody? Jonah and the whale. Good job. Good job. Um, okay. So, also, most of you know that I am in the middle of some uh, online ministry classes. So, for one of my classes this semester, I had to write and teach a Bible study. So tonight is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be uh, it's going to be practical. There's going to be a lot of steps involved. Uh, if you can, if you want to take notes, this might be a good one to take notes on because uh, it's basically going to be like a class. So, uh, but it's going to be good because when we're done, we're going to be able to understand the Bible more deeply, and it's going to be great. Uh, yeah, heck yeah. So I'm going to do a little teaching tonight. Um, 
But first, I'm going to let a breakfast pastry, you know, classic breakfast pastry, intro our story for tonight. I'm short and fat, and I'm not too pretty, but I'm the richest man in the city. It doesn't do me any good. I don't live like I should, and so I... So, uh, that was, uh, Donut Man, if you've never heard of him, don't, it's, you're not missing anything, <laughs> truly. <laughs> I mean, it was a uh, talking donut, singing about uh, Zacchaeus. So if you couldn't guess, we're talking about Zacchaeus tonight. Um, he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, if you know what I mean. Uh, uh, <laughs> but before we get, like, before we, like, dive deep into this, let's just go over the story real quick. I feel like, how many of you know the story by now? Yeah, most of you know the story of Zacchaeus. Okay, if not, we're going to go over it right now. So this story takes place in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And it says, uh, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So let me just stop right there. Jesus, at this point in his story, he was uh, running around the countryside, just doing miracle after miracle. Just like, it was real cool. This is the best part of his like time on earth, I think. Not true. Not even close to the best part of the resurrection, but second best part. Uh, <laughs> and Zacchaeus was just a guy in Jericho, which was a city in Israel. And he was there and he's like, hey, uh, super wealthy and a tax collector. He wanted to see Jesus, um, but because he was short, we little man, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So Jesus comes into the city and he's like walking through the city. And because Jesus is who he is and everyone's like, Oh, miracles. Everyone gathers around him. They're like, we got to see this. We want like Jesus, like come like be with me. It's cool. Uh, but Zacchaeus was too short to see like, I don't never had that problem, but I know some people that do humble Brett. Uh, <laughs> and so like Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. He climbs a tree. That's all it is. A sycamore tree was just like, just a normal tree. It had a bunch of really like thick branches low to the ground. So he can easily climb up even though he was a wee lad. Um, yeah. Can we go to the next, next slide. Uh, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. So, Jesus sees Zacchaeus up on a tree, and he says, Oh, bro, like, come down. I'm going to go to your house. So Jesus rudely invites himself over to someone's house. And uh, the guy was like, chill with it, though. So it was good. Um, and then a bunch of people hated on him for going to Zacchaeus' house because he was a tax collector, blah, blah, blah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So, summary of a story. Short guy, tall crowd, Jesus, house, it's over. That's pretty much the whole summary of the story. Uh, Most of us learn this in Sunday school. This is kind of why we're talking about it. 
And uh, we're actually just going to do a quick little deep dive on what exactly is going on in the story. Because at first glance, it's literally just short guy, Jesus, rudely invites himself over the end. Um, but there's actually a lot going on here. So with the help of some hermeneutical principles, we're going to take a deep dive on what's going on. Uh, so raise your hand if you understood the words hermeneutical principles. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, it's really okay because I had no idea what that meant until about three months ago when I read it in a book. And now I say it all the time because it's fun. Uh, look to your neighbor and say, hermeneutical principles. Okay. Uh, let me understand. Hermeneutics, there it is, is the theory and methodology of interpretation, especially the interpretation of biblical text. So that's what that word means. So when we say like hermeneutical principles, we're literally saying like, uh, like ways to understand the Bible, like to interpret the Bible, like steps to take to interpret the Bible. So we are going to uh, talk about some of these principles, and I'm going to turn them into something hopefully super easy to remember so you guys can go home and do this yourself. So like, who's ready? Like, who's ready to get, get hyped? No, no one's ready. Get hyped, because here we go. Here are eight questions to ask when you study the Bible. Uh, that's when the beat was supposed to drop, but I didn't tell anyone. It was just in my head. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to hit you with just so many facts. That's what's about to happen. We're going to ask a question. And I'm going to hit you with facts on facts on facts about what's happening. It's going to be real cool. I promise. Uh, at the end of this, you're going to be like, wow, what a journey. And I'm going to say, truly, that exact sense, those will happen. And if it, it's, I promise, I promise. So are you ready? Question a numero uno. Who wrote this, right? Uh, this was uh, written. This is from Luke's Gospel. So um, who knows who wrote Luke's Gospel? It's Luke. It's, Luke. it's Luke. Yeah, good one. We did it. We did it together. Luke. Uh, so Luke is the writer of Luke, and he's also the writer of Acts. The same guy wrote both. He was actually, I had no idea. I honestly thought that Luke was one of the 12 disciples. He's not. How did I how did I not know that until recently? No idea. Grew up entire <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I like had to search everywhere because I was like, this is wrong. He's a I know he's a disciple. One of the twelve. He's not. For sure not. Oh, for sure no. Um but he was, he was a, a Gentile physician, and he was uh most likely at one point like one of like Paul's companions. Like when Paul was going on those missionary trips, he was with Paul at some point. Um and yeah, so that's who he was, a Gentile physician, not even, not even a Jewish boy. Who, who knew? So that's who uh, wrote it. So that was the answer to question number one. Question number two is, who did they write it to? So who was this gospel written to? Uh, it was actually written to someone, like specifically. Uh, in chapter one, Luke says, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, and I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus. I have no idea. Theophilus. Who said it? Someone? Sam did? Thank you, Sam. Uh, I forgot to look up how to say it, so I just have been saying every single time I get to it. Um, So that's who it's actually addressed to. So we know it's to someone. Um, we don't know like a ton about this guy, but most people think he was a Gentile who was having some like doubts about things. Like, cause he says, so that you may know the certainty of things that you have been taught. 
So this was a guy who was like, I don't know what's going on. So Luke's like, here you go. I'm giving you the full story of Jesus. And he gives it to him. Um, now, that doesn't mean it's not also to us, because just like in uh, like all of Paul's letters to us, he wrote those to different churches, but we all know like it's accepted that they were also for us. So the same thing with Luke's, Luke's gospel here. Uh, so now that we know who wrote it, who we wrote it to, uh, we have to figure out like the scene and the setting. Now, we believe that everything that happened in the Bible is true and that it's fact. Uh, so a super easy way to like figure out the context of what's happening. And this is really cool. And it's another reason why we know it's all true is that we can look back at history and we can line up the events of history with what's going on in the Bible. So when we are trying to figure out like the setting and the scene of what happens in the Bible, we can look back into the Bible and we can also look back into history itself to give us context of what they're actually talking about. Um, it's really cool. And it's one of my favorite things. Um, so yeah, we have to look at the setting. We have to find out some biblical facts about the setting. So we're going to answer these more more questions. Question number three: Where did this happen? Uh, so he entered Jericho. So it happened in Jericho. Where was Jericho? It was in Israel, just like everything else. Uh, it was pretty close to Jerusalem. Uh, there was like a road that went from one to the other. And uh, inside of Jericho, though, it's like a rich city with a bunch of wealthy people in it. King Herod has like his like summer palace there. He was like, that's where you went to summer. Um, and this is the same Jericho that we heard about the walls falling down, you know, like back in the day. So they like, you know, eventually rebuilt the city and everything was chill with different people in it. So that's where this happened. Uh, question four. When did it happen? When did this happen? So, in uh, back at the beginning of Luke again, he said he wrote this in an orderly fashion. So, most the events of Luke happen in order of the timeline of how things are going. So, it starts at Jesus' birth, and it keeps going up until he goes up to heaven. Uh, so, this story, if you like, read the like, chapters before and after, this happens right before Jesus goes triumphantly into Jerusalem on a donkey, and then he's like, on a cross a week later. So, we know this is like pretty close to the end of Jesus' like, time on earth before he... Dies on the cross, gets resurrected, and then, you know, goes back up into heaven later on. So, most people say it's around 33 AD, which is cool. Uh, we're not exactly sure, like, when the numbers start. Like, there's a lot of confusion about when exactly all that starts. So, it's around 33 AD. Uh, question five. What are some important cultural facts about uh, when this happened? So, what was the culture like? This is kind of vague. And there's a lot going on here, but this one's super important for when we're trying to understand scripture, because this was these scriptures were like to a certain people at a certain time. So we have to like understand what was happening then so that we can understand for ourselves now. Uh, so at this time, Rome was ruling the world. They had their first emperor, uh, Emperor Augustus. Um, and they would, uh, once they took over a land, they would collect taxes from them. And it was the tax collector's job to collect those taxes and hand them off to the Romans. And they came down pretty hard on people that didn't pay their taxes. And that's kind of how tax collectors got like a bad rep. Because most of them were corrupt and they would do like really terrible things to people. Like, you know, pay me money or else I'm going to tell the Romans you didn't pay your taxes and they'll come take your family from you. You know, things like that. Uh, pretty terrible things over and over again. So, um, just look to your neighbor and say, don't be a tax collector. Unless, uh, you know, you're not corrupt, then you can be a tax collector because taxes are important. Uh, we need roads and schools, but, you know. 
So, yeah, tax collectors were corrupt. People were forced to pay extra money. Um, most people hated tax collectors because of the bad things they did and the oppressive government they represented. They were considered to be, uh, they were like sinful and um, unclean because of like the, how much they sinned and who they were. And when you became a tax collector, according to like the Jewish like law of what was going on, you were no longer considered a son of Abraham. And all of the promises that went along with that were taken from you. So you no longer were like a son of Abraham. You're no longer part of the Jewish tradition. When you became a tax collector, you were a Roman because you were working for the Roman government. Uh, so now that we kind of have like the setting and the scene, we're going to talk about characters. So question six is, who are the characters of the story? Can anyone name them? Can you guess who they are? Do you remember? This one's a little confusing. So we have Jesus, Zacchaeus, and all the people. <laughs> so Zacchaeus. All we know about Zacchaeus really is that he was a short guy, tax collector. Uh, means he was super wealthy, um, and like because of the city he was in, he was most likely just like super wealthy. And he was chief tax collector, so that means he was like extra wealthy. Basically, this guy was the top of the one percent, one percenters, uh, left and right, left and right. <laughs> and we do know that he wanted to see Jesus so badly, he was willing to climb a tree to see him. That's pretty much all we know about Zacchaeus. Jesus, main character of the story, just like in every story of the Bible. Um, part of the Trinity, he's the Son of God. Fully God, fully man. Um, God the Father sent to him to die on the cross for our sins. Spent three years in ministry, showing us how to live. He came to seek and to save what was lost. That's Jesus. He's the best. Uh, and then we have our third character, all the people. Um, the people of Jericho, this is where a lot of wealthy Pharisees lived. So most likely, um, a big chunk of this group, of this crowd that gathered were a bunch of wealthy Pharisees. And the Pharisees were always the people that Jesus was putting like back into their place. They would say things like, oh, Jesus, you broke the Sabbath. And he's like, you don't understand. And they're like, oh, like that's pretty much what it was. So they didn't understand a lot because they were super uh, stuck in their ways and didn't understand the heart of the law. They didn't have any love left in them, basically, is what it was. Um, and there was enough of all the people to form a crowd. We know that about this group, too. They formed a crowd because Zacchaeus couldn't see over it. So we got all that about the people. So uh, we're also next we're going to look at is genre. So what genre was it? Uh, how many of you know about genres? Yeah, like in literature. So the Bible is full of it. And it's like important to understand what it is so that we can understand it. So there's like there's poetry and there's law, there's prophecy, um, there's epistles, which are like letters. And we have to like understand that each one of these is written in different ways so that we can understand it. Like poetry, obviously not every single word of poetry is 100% true. Like, you know what I mean? There's like principles. There's, there's a lot of things you have to, you have to work through. Cause like, yeah, so genre is very important. So Luke, what genre is Luke? It's a narrative. It's telling a story, a complete story from front to finish. Um, there's a bunch of different stories of narrative. Uh, a bunch of different stories of narrative. Jeez, um, I have so my iPad's connected to text messages, and people are texting me from the front row and distracting me. <laughs> so yeah, there are there are different levels of narrative in the Bible. Uh, basically. The ones you need to, there's like a top level, which is like the over, like the whole story of the Bible tells, the Bible tells one complete story, and that's the redemptive work of Jesus. It starts with us in the garden and we sin. And then the whole time is like built up to Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and redeeming us. And then again, there's a whole build up till he comes back at the end. So like we're still like, you know, living that out, but that's the whole overarching 
like narrative of the Bible. And there's a bunch of little stories, like the first level, there's like a middle level, which gets a little more confusing. It's like the redeeming uh, of like people. So it's like old Testament, new Testament. That gets a little confusing. There's a lot there, but first level is important. It's the individual stories that make up the Bible. So that's like the first level of narrative. And then it like goes up. So it's always good to remember that when you're reading that first level of narrative, it's in a bigger picture of an overall story, which is real cool. And okay. From here on, like we can look at, just a thousand different, not a thousand. There's just so many different hermeneutical principles that we can look at. We can go into, we can dig into the grammar. We can dig into, um, just like do like word studies, looking into the Greek. So the Bible was written in two different languages, Hebrew and Greek, the original languages, and then they got translated to English. Greek is way cooler than English. Like one word means so much. So when you like go back and look at the Greek word of what the English word means, there's like, it adds a depth that's insane. And we don't really have a lot of time to talk about it. But if you want to talk to me about Greek, see me after class. Cause I love Greek and it's kind of the best. Um, but we're going to move on for now. We're going to, we, we, we're going to move on. We have, I just gave you so much information. Who's feeling overwhelmed with the amount of information I just gave you? Good. Yeah, it was a lot of information. Uh, hopefully some of it was interesting. But this is what we have to do when we go to study. Like, if we want to understand what's going on in the Bible, we're confused. These are easy steps to take um, to start to understand what's going on. So there is one more question, and it's kind of the most important question. Uh, question number eight, what does this, uh, what does this mean to me? Right? That's the whole point. Like, why are you reading the Bible? We're reading the Bible so we can hear from God. We're reading the Bible so we can understand something about God, about Jesus, about the life we're supposed to be living here on earth. So like, that's it. That's the big question. Um, and how we do that is we take all these facts that we just did and we kind of like, We'll put them together and make a summary of what we think this means. This is this is like I, I took a class and this is how we kind of did it. We we will take all these facts, you put them together, summarize the meaning of what we think it means, and then we check it against the Bible. That's the big one. So never just like, ooh, I have this one scripture, I it makes a lot of sense to me, and then you get a meaning from it, and you're like, that's it. Always check it against scripture because scripture interprets scripture. So like the Bible interprets the Bible. So if it's only, if you, so let's, I'll give you an example. Sorry, this is confusing. I'll give you an example. If you read the story of Zacchaeus and you think, okay, like, well, he's, uh, he was short, climbed a tree, Jesus saw him. Okay. So that means I have to climb a tree for Jesus to see me. That's what I'm getting from this, right? Like, if that was your meaning, I was like, okay, summary, that's fine. Like, you can think that for a second. Uh, but then you have to try to find somewhere else in the Bible where it says the same thing. So once you don't find that, because that's nowhere else in the Bible, you're going to think, oh, okay, that wasn't what God's trying to tell me through the scripture, because it's not, like, biblically accurate. So we have to make sure that what we're reading is, or what we're assuming the scripture's meaning to us is like not us assuming it's actually in there. It's actually in the Bible. Uh, so with all these facts in our mind, let's just go through the story uh, one more time. Okay. I'm going to just read it to you real quick with all these facts in our head. I lost where I put it though. So Jesus entered Jerusalem and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. Uh, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, 
when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. When all the people saw this, they began to mutter, uh, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here I am. Uh, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And I have cheated, uh, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, this part is my favorite, my favorite verse. Uh, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to your house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. So now that we have all those facts in our head, now we just listen to that. We're actually going to, real quick. In this room, we're going to split up into small groups, and we're going to think through all these facts. Uh, your small group leaders will have like all these facts on a sheet so you can go over them, and I want you guys to come up with just a quick summary sentence or two with what you think that this means, like what this story means to us. Um, and then we'll come back, and we'll have a quick discussion about it. So if you can, uh, we're going to stay in this room. So can high school guys just come over to this corner, middle school guys over here, and then the girls, middle school girls, like, back left, uh, high school girls back right. And we'll, yeah, right now. We're going to do this right now, and we're going to come back, and we're going to keep talking about this. So like I said, there can be multiple um, multiple meanings. Who, like... I don't know about you, but I really like doing these types of things. It feels a little like Englishy, but it's really like once you like this story already feels like cooler to you now, right? Like you already feel like there's more meaning to it than you thought when you first read it for the first time. So here is my summary statement. My summary statement is Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost and nothing we have done can disqualify us from being part of his family. I think I've put you and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much the same thing. Um... Ooh, yeah. And here are my verses to back it up. Uh, Romans 8, 37 through 39. I don't know if they have... Oh, they put them down at the bottom. Okay, so I'll read these real fast, okay? So, Romans 8, 37 through 39. No, uh, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Uh, for I'm convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I also referenced uh, John three sixteen and 17. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it through him. And also Galatians three twenty six through 29, and it says, uh, this is a big one, you'll, you'll see later why. Uh, 3, 26 through 29, so in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. Um, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are of Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, cool. How did I get to this? No, it's okay. It's cool. I like it. I like it. I like it. So, you're probably asking, like, ooh, how did I get here? Here was my process. So, first of all, for the first part of my statement, Verse 10 literally says, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So I kind of pulled that one directly from that scripture. Um, and also, like, a cool fact about this story, and it's actually super interesting. I don't remember if I said this or not, because um, I think I skipped just so much. But um, Luke, uh, Luke's gospel is the only gospel to mention this story. And it actually sums up his entire gospel. This one story. So a lot of people say that the reason he added this story in was because it was like a summary of the entire story that he was trying to tell across the entire book. So that's it. And that summary, like in at the very end of the verse, like Jesus came to seek and to save that was lost was the whole summary of his, his entire 
like his gospel was like trying to convince people Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. Like it doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done is he came to seek and save you the lost. Uh, so yeah, even though, you know, Zacchaeus was a dirty tax collector. We, we found that out. Jesus chose to eat with him, which was like a big no, no, but for the time. Uh, and so this is my favorite part. Uh, at the end, I don't know if you caught this, uh, but towards the end of the story, Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. That's a big deal because I don't remember, I don't know if you remember, but we talked about how when you become a tax collector, they say like, oh, you're no longer a son of Abraham. You're no longer qualified for those promises. So the people said to Zacchaeus, you are disqualified. And Jesus came and said to him, Oh, no, 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 no. You are qualified for the promises that I have for you, which is huge. Like, it's huge. That's a big deal. Uh, and Jesus tells us this all the time. Like, that's just not, not just for Zacchaeus. That's for all of us. If you think you're disqualified because of something that you've done or it's just like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not a good enough person. That's not true. Like, you are qualified to be part of his family. He wants you to be part of his family. So, uh, I don't know. So that's it. Like, that's an overview of how to study the Bible and kind of pull out facts that help you understand it more. Um, and like, I don't, I don't know about you, uh, but all the time people, I hear people saying things like, hey, read your Bible and pray like over and over again to your 10, 10, do you do this, do that, do that. And, uh, humble brag, but I do it. <laughs> like I do it sometimes, not as many times as I should, but I do it. And it's not every single time that I get something from God and it feels wrong. Like, I feel like I'm reading this. I'm not understanding it. It doesn't feel like, why am I not, like, why am I not hearing God speak to me through this? Um, like, this is what we believe, right? Like, God's speaking to me through the scriptures. I'm supposed to be hearing from Jesus. Does anyone else ever feel this way? Where you're like, why am I not understanding? And uh, this could be the reason. Like, we just might not be we might not know the context of it or we might not understand like what exactly was going on. So I encourage you all, like if you are feeling like a little like dry in your like time with you, with Jesus in the Bible, do a quick dive into it like this. At first it might seem a little dull cause it's like super school kind of, but it, it honestly, I, and this might just be me, but the more I dive into it and learn more about the story and it like reveals more things about God's truth and his character, I get excited and I like, Ooh, like this is cool. This is getting cooler. And so then when I read a story, that's like, blah, a short guy goes to see Jesus or whatever, it becomes more, it becomes like, no, we're qualified to be in Jesus's family. <sighs> so, yeah. So we went through those eight questions and there's also like one last important question that you should always ask when you're reading your Bible. And that is for God's help to understand, because I believe it even says in the scripture, I cannot think of it off my head right now, but like the unsaved and like people that don't know God are not going to understand everything. And like, we're not going to understand everything either, but with his Holy spirit, he can help us understand more from the Bible. So let's just do that right now. Okay. Everyone bow your heads, close your eyes. Dear God, we thank you so much for the word that you gave us, God. We thank you for the scriptures that you put in our lives so that we can understand you more and grow closer to you. I thank you that when we understand and we act on our understanding of your word, that it changes our lives. So I ask you right now to help us understand these scriptures better, more, and like fuller, God. I pray that when we have questions that we're doubting or we're confused, show us who you are and who you say that we are. I thank you for letting us be part of your family. I thank you for everything because you gave us everything, God. So may your will be done. Amen.